Ecclesiastes 7. We're in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. As we've said before, Solomon's old. Later in life, he's observed things. And when he was young, he asked for wisdom. That was wise. We we saw in a uh, previous chapter... It's because his dad told him to. You know, we were studying that. His dad said, you know, son, something you want to get, get wisdom. And so he takes him up on it, you know, when he has an opportunity. And uh, the kingship <clears throat> fell into his, you know, came his time. He was like humbled by it. He said, Lord, I need help in this. How am I? I'm just a young man to do this. And he asked for wisdom and God gives him wisdom and, and, and much more. And so he's imparting to us his findings to us now. And so that's where we are. He's talked about in the first few chapters about his endeavors, the things that he pursued in life, and, and, and seeing if he could have life, uh, if, if life was satisfying without eternity. Uh, his answer is no, but uh, he is now giving us, imparting some of his wisdom. So we're in chapter 7, verse 11. It says, Wisdom is good with an inheritance, and by it there is profit to them that see the sun. So he said, Wisdom is good with an inheritance, it's profit for them that see the sun, or people who are alive. For the living, Wisdom is a good thing to have, is how you can kind of summarize it. And it seems pretty straightforward. Wisdom is good, especially if you get it with an inheritance. I would say, yeah. yeah. Cha-ching, right? You get some wisdom and an inheritance, a windfall of money. Score, you know, I've got the golden ticket now. You've got the keys to the kingdom if you've got a big windfall of money that's coming to you. Um, wisdom and money's good. You would think if you had the two, boy, think of the stuff you could do. If I had great wisdom and I had a lot of money, think of the people you could bless and the things that would go. And we often think of that if we daydream about, you know, getting a lot of money. Like, boy, think of the good I would do with that. And, and that seems like that's the statement saying, you know, that you don't need to have a lot of wisdom to figure it out. Boy, if I had wisdom and money, that would be a good thing. You know, that seems pretty, pretty straightforward and like, kind of like, well, I don't know that that really needed to be, um, you know, something that I need to be taught. You know, that seems like a, a duh kind of a statement. But with that being said, I think a lot of people kind of take that. They're like, why is that in here? You know, it just seems pretty straightforward. You know, it seems like he usually talks about more of the, some of the more difficult things. And then the more we've studied it, some people think the translation is off a little bit. They think it should read more, wisdom is as good as an inheritance. And that does seem to fit with the constancy of what Solomon has written. We have Proverbs and we have Song of Solomon, we have this. That does seem consistent, is that wisdom is as good as an inheritance. And I think they're right. Uh, again, we are reading a translation. You know, a translation that's in hand down. It's a good translation. And, uh, and it does hold up. It doesn't really drastically change anything. But it does kind of give this a little more impact. If we think of wisdom is as good as an inheritance, um, though wisdom with an inheritance is great too. <laughs> but Solomon has said and, and talked on this subject before. Turn with me and we'll flip a little bit through Proverbs. Just go back a book. Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs 8 and verse 11, Proverbs 8, 11 says, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. He says, here's the wisdom's better than rubies. You know, rubies, that's treasure. You know, why do you have some rubies? And then he says, you know, just to make sure you're not just thinking, okay, it's better than a ruby, but what about diamonds? What about gold? Now, he, he says, you know, and all the other things that might be desired, you know, and all the things that are, may be desired can't be compared to it. Anything that you might desire. You know, he, he kind of makes this verse go through time. You know, it's better than a Game Boy. It's better than whatever computer, Mac computer. It's better than all these things, better than a fast car. It's better than all this. You know, uh, wisdom is the thing to pursue. Um, because uh, 
Ruby can be stolen. Uh, Ruby can be lost. Uh, it can drop in value. Uh, but wisdom stays. Wisdom is something that sticks with you. You know, things come and go. Things, you know, have a luster and appeal for a little while, and, but then they, they, they kind of lose that luster. But wisdom is something that's going to benefit you every day and every decision that you make. That, that's the point he's trying to make. Look at Proverbs 16 and verse 16. Proverbs 16, 16. Proverbs 16. And verse 16 says, How much better is it to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding rather than the chosen, uh, rather to be chosen than silver? Again, he says it's better than gold, it's better than silver, it's wisdom. Again, I think it's because it stays with you. It's going to profit you in all that you do. It's going to profit every decision that you make, every, everything that you have to, to make any kind of choices. Wisdom is going to then be imparted to that. You're going to take it and consider it. That's going to be way better than just having money or having gold or having silver. He is saying wisdom between the two, you know, choose wisdom. Uh, look at Proverbs 19. 19 and verse 8. Proverbs 19, verse 8. He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. He that keepeth understanding shall find good. He says here, if you want to be kind to yourself, if you really want to pamper yourself, if you want to love yourself, choose wisdom. He says here, if you have, choose wisdom, you love, your, you love yourself. It is good for you. It is the best thing for you. It's better than drinking kefir. My wife's got me drinking kefir. It's some kind of byproduct of yogurt or something. Uh, she calls it yuck yum. First it's yuck, and then you're like, mm, yum. I think it's starting to be yum. You know, that's supposed to help, help your digestive system and all this stuff. I, I'm growing to like it. It, it is there. And, and um, some, I've got a bad one. But, uh, but there's some good ones in there. But, you know, boy, we are, you want to love yourself. Sometimes you do things you wouldn't want to do because you want to take care of yourself. You want to be there. You want to be healthy. And so you do things. It makes you exercise. It makes you get up. It makes you drink kefir. It makes you, it makes you do these things. He says, here, if you really love yourself, get wisdom. Man, it'll, it's the smart thing. You will now, uh, because if you have wisdom, you'll make good choices. If you make good choices all the time, you know, you have to worry about the stupid choices. Most of us remember our stupid choices, but good choices, like, ah, to choose well. You know, smart living. You know, the, the how you're going to live. You're know, applying wisdom to it. It'll help you make those big, important decisions. It takes care of you forever. So kids, if you want a good life, choose wisdom. Be wise. You know, try to seek what the Bible says about wisdom. And so he's trying to give us benefit here, wisdom, learning by what he is instructing us in. It's better than an inheritance. An inheritance would be nice, you know, just to get that, that chunk of cash. But how often do we get that? How often do you're like, I had an aunt I didn't know of, and she was rich, and she loved me, and she gave me all this money? Uh, so far, zero. Uh, I have gotten inheritance from my grandmother. She gave me some money, and it was good, and it was nice. It was a nice windfall, and I remember being excited at the time I got it. But, you know, I remember... It's gone. You know, whatever it was, I spent it. And I remember what we spent it on. I know mom spent some of hers on a vacation that I still remember. That was a good investment of some of that inheritance. But I remember things that my grandmother said, the wisdom part. I do remember that. Children are to be seen and not heard, Brian. Go away. <laughs> no, no, but she, she would tell us that. That was one that she instructed us right in. And I remember jokes and things. She said, I remember her more than I remember the money that I got. You know, and so uh, an inheritance would be nice, but, you know, money comes and goes. You know, we kind of say that, easy come, easy go. And if you got it easy, chances are it's going to go easy and that way too. But wisdom lasts. Wisdom is something that sticks. How do you get an inheritance? 
You know, most of the time we think of inheritance, you know, if it's a TV show, it's kind of like someone shows up with a letter. Hey, I just inherited money. I don't even know who this person is. And then the, then the episode begins, you know, who were they? What did they leave me? And what all do I get? You know, and it ends up being some dog that tears up their house or, you know, something like that. You know, but it's like, it's something, you know, how do you get inheritance? I don't know. I guess if you knew you had a rich relative, you'd be over there, you know, kind of butter them up all the time. Hey, you know, I'm your favorite nephew, right? And you're doing whatever, trying to, and even at the end, you might not get nothing, you know, so you really can't do anything for that. So it's not a good plan to bank on, but wisdom, how do you get it? Uh, Turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I wish I could do my best Oak Island narrator voice or, uh, I'd say there's a secret formula contained in scriptures, safeguarded by the scribes and the saints from generation to generation. It's been preserved for us to this day through God's word. Secrets of the Bible will be opened unto you this morning on how to obtain wisdom. But we have to be prepared for it. Let's pray to be prepared for it. Lord, help us to understand the revelation that's contained in your word. and Help us to apply it and to learn it and to obtain wisdom. Lord, instruct us here this morning. Amen. James chapter 1 and verse 5. The secret to obtaining wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and he upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. It's not that hard. You want wisdom? Ask God. Let him ask God, but first, you have to be wise enough to ask, right? It's kind of like Solomon, you know, he had the choice. What's he going to do? What's he going to ask for? He asked for wisdom. We're in the same place. God's like, you want wisdom? Ask me. You want wisdom? Just ask me. A request. Just to say, Lord, please. You must seek it to get it. You know, wisdom's not just going to be like, I'm just wise. You know, no, you have to seek it. It's something that you pursue. Proverbs kind of talks about that. Proverbs talks about wisdom a lot, and it talks about chasing after and, 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 and going after in that way. But it says here that if we do ask for it and if we do seek it, God will give to all men liberally. He's going to open the floodgates. He's going to give it to you liberally. Liberally like the liberal wants to take my paycheck and give it away. That kind of liberally. He wants to give it and give it all. He goes, boy, you asked for wisdom. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to pour it on you. You know, and it says here that he abradeth not. That means he's not going to get mad every time you ask him for it. Lord, help me be wise in this. Lord, help me uh, give me some instruction in this. Lord, teach me in this. Lord, I want to be wiser in what I'm doing. He's not going to be like, well, you go away with your wisdom. He's not going to like, quit asking me. He's not going to do that. He says he upbraideth not. He's never going to get on to you. He's never going to fuss you. He's going to be like, I'm going to smile every time you ask me, and I'm going to give it to you liberally. Ask me about wisdom. Ask me about instruction. Ask me about learning. God says, I will teach you. You know, you, you, you have to want to be taught. You have to want to learn. Remember my wife, as she's teaching her kids, she's like, I can't force you to learn. I can't force you to do this. I can just put it in front of you, and it's whether you take it in and apply it. You know, it's like that is there. It has to be a desire within you. And so here he says, want wisdom. Solomon's already told us the benefits. It's better than an inheritance. You know, it's, going to be, it's going to affect your life all the better. We said it's better than rubies. It's better than gold. It's better than silver. Silver. If you love yourself, if you want to show, you want to pamper yourself, pursue wisdom. Seek after wisdom is what he tells us. And it says here that God will never get on you for asking. And it shall be. That's underlined. Might have one. It shall be given him. He will do it. Ask God for wisdom. He says he will do it. But like most things, if you had that 
introduction, like I said, you know, secret knowledge in the Bible is hidden away, and today it'll all be revealed. There is a caveat. There is a little notice, a little warning that goes along with this request, the seeking of wisdom. And that's verse 6. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven uh, with the wind and tossed. Faith. You have to ask him in faith. We have to believe when we ask, Lord, I want some wisdom. Wisdom. You have to believe God. You have to trust God. You have to have faith that he'll give it to you. You have to have faith that he'll instruct you. And then have the eyes to see it and ears to hear it and be able to take it and take it in. And so it's a two-part thing. God says, yes, I will give it to you, but you have to believe that this is what I'm giving you when he's given it to you. Because a lot of times it comes in lessons and it comes in things that we don't like. And we have a whole chance of blowing it versus having our eyes open and taking it all in. He says, no, you need to take it in. An unwavering faith. It's a constant pursuit. Uh, and he compares it to a wave. Uh, uh, one of our favorite things we go on vacation. Sit on the beach, watch the waves. If we get a hotel room where we can see the waves, first thing my wife does is open the curtains. <laughs> look at there, look at the waves. Can I lay in bed and see the waves? She'll lay down and test it all out. Do I need to be on the balcony? Where's the best spot to see the waves? She likes watching the waves come in. It, and it's fun. It's just relaxing to sit there, right? Watch them come in. I think there's something about every seventh wave. You'll go farther. So I always try to check that and see if that's true. And wait a minute, maybe I started counting on five. You know, maybe that was four. And then finally figure out which one was the longest wave. And you kind of watch them crisscross. And as they grow in each day, it's like, how big are the waves? Or today it's calm. And today it's, but we watch them come in. And we always like the, the big waves to try to ride in. But, you know, he says here, if, if you ask like this, like a wave, it comes in. And then it goes down quickly, and then it just gets real flat, you know, and then those little birds run in it and go away, and it just seems like it, it comes to naught. He says, don't be like that. You know, we're not to be like a, a pursuit, like, oh, I want wisdom, and the next thing, and a car, and a house, and uh, this. And with that, you know, it's like, don't be like another one, another one, another one. It's to be like a surge. It's supposed to be a steady pursuit. It's not, not a wave that comes and, and goes and ebbs and flows. It is something that we're to make a lifestyle of, that we are pursuing wisdom, not like, hey, I pursued it once, I didn't get it. You know, no, it's a lifetime pursuit uh, seeking wisdom. Let's go back to Proverbs, Proverbs 9. Because the Bible gives us a place to start. Where do we start in searching for wisdom? One, we ask. And he says we have to ask, and we have to ask in faith. So it's, it's simple, and God says he will do it, and he will not get on to you for it, and he will give you liberally, he'll give you all that you ask. <clears throat> but then they also give us uh, the beginning point. So uh, Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Fear of the Lord, the respect, the awe of God. Get lost in the wonder of who he is. Knowing he is big, he is powerful, he is in charge, he is in control. Um, I guess the fear of the Lord is the pursuit of God. That's where wisdom begins in pursuing God, pursuing him, studying him. Uh, theology is what I call the study of God. Study him. Who is he? What's he like? What's his nature? What's his character? What are his traits? What can I learn about God and his traits? These are all part of theology study as you study it. Who is God? What's he like? What's his nature? What's he like? How does he behave? And then pursue that. Studying him and who he is. Looking at those things and thinking about it. That God is kind. That that he is loving. That he is patient. That he is holy. That he is righteous. That he is good. 
You know, and we're thinking on these things, and we're, and we're developing a picture. He's not evil. He's not crooked. He's not corrupt. He's not stealing. He, he's not forcing anything on us. He he's gives us free will. And so we start putting it all together. You get a picture of pursuing him, the things that you should pursue that are wise, good things, holy things, righteous things, just things. You know, all of a sudden, we see those as wise choices, right? And those are who God are. So, God is. And so we see that, or you pursuing God, we see what is wise even in the world. You know, we talk about, he made bad choices. You hung out with bad people, did bad things, ends up in a bad place. Where you pursue God, you're going to hang out with good people who are going to pursue you to pursue God, and you're going to end up in the good place. You're going to end up in heaven because you understand all these things. And so it's kind of right there, even in the basics of life. Solomon is going to give us some insights into this. Back in Ecclesiastes. So, Ecclesiastes. so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 11. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, or as good as an inheritance. And by it there is a profit to them that see the sun. It's good to live in a life of wisdom. He says it's profit for those that are alive on the earth. That's true. Verse 12. For wisdom is a defense, and money is a defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Wisdom and money can be used as a defense, it says here. It is a protection. It's true. You know, we, we talk about, well, they're so rich they can't be touched. I don't know, I remember a few years ago there was some rich kid who did some horrible thing. I can't remember what it was now. But basically the court says, oh, yeah, he didn't know. You know, he'd never been told no, and so he gets a pass. It's like, wait a minute, you would throw me in jail. You're, you're saying because this kid's rich, he gets by with it? You know, it's like uh, we watch it happen all the time. You know, there's, um, they just pardoned one of the soldiers that... Um, emailed something that they saw as a breach of security, and yet we saw somebody who had a server full, you know, that, that gets a pass, you know, and so we, we see those things, we're like, wait a minute, why? It's because who they were, the money they had, the power and position. Um, so, yeah, we can see money, you know, can be used as a defense. Also, you can just think of it in this way. It's like, if I had a lot of money, it's like, I could put in a state-of-the-art security system. I could have uh, motion detectors, you know, laser trip wires, and I would, you know, you'd see them all, and it'd all be diangled that way, and you'd be go through. You'd have all these alarms and all these different things going on, and you'd be like, "There, I can leave the house, nothing's getting in," you know, and then just walk away. That it'd be that way, or you could be wise and be like, "I think I'll lock my door." We'll shut the curtains where they can't see anything. Put a dog in the house that would bark, low-tech, you know, but it's still the same way. Uh, we had someone work in our house, and they worked on it for oh, a couple of weeks, uh, working on it, and the dog was in the other room, and he's in there rawr, 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 every time they're in there. And then finally they came to get the check, and I paid him, and he came out, and they're like, we thought that was a bull mastiff, and it's this little scooby. You know, like, All right, good. He's doing his job. Big, deep bark, you know, and scares him away. And so, um, but, you know, <laughs> you're talking about scooby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can be, <laughs> but uh, um, you know, so money can do all that. But wisdom, you know, gives you caution. You know, all of a sudden you use wise things. You park in a place that looks secure. You're not just like, well, this looks like someone's going to break in and steal everything. I'll leave, I'll leave my car here. No, you use wisdom. You're like, I'm going to park in a well lit place. I'm not going to be over here. I'm going to be in a reputable spot in this way. It's going to give you caution. You're going to. Carry your purse a certain way. I don't. I have a purse. But, you know, girls are going to carry your purse a certain way. You're going to carry your wallet. You're going you're gonna to do smart things in a smart way. When you leave things in a car, you'll leave them out of sight. You'll, you, you do. You make, you have a watchfulness about you because you're wise. You've been down the road, and you're like, I need to learn from life's lesson. Yeah, boy, I need to make sure I take care of these things. And so you do, and it makes you make good choices. And so, yeah, wisdom is a defense, and money can be a defense. But he said wisdom stays with you. Matter of fact, he goes on and says wisdom um, makes your life, gives you a life. You know, so, yeah, we just need to make good choices, weigh things out, consider things. 
wisdom's not easily foiled, you know, because if you're applying wisdom to it, it's been well tested and true. We know what things are good and right and just and pure, you know, and, and we could do after these things. And pursuing what's right and good and honest and decent on and on continues on. And it says there that it gives you wisdom giveth life to them that have it. It's going to keep you safe. You're going to have your seatbelt on. You're going to drive the speed limit. You're going to be looking both ways. You're going to be watching. You're going to be uh, defensive driving on all those areas. You're going to, again, be walking, not texting into traffic. You're going to be doing all these different things. It makes you wisdom and knowledge coming to you. It's going to give you a better life. It's going to give you better choices. It's going to keep a lot of grief out because you're not choosing the bad things. You're choosing the good things in the upright way, and you're going to sleep better, and you're going to have all these benefits of a good life because of you've chosen wisdom. And so, yeah, it's, it's a defense, and it's going to give you a good life. In verse 13, he continues on. He says, Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? I think this, is, again, falls under the category of knowing who God is, the beginning of wisdom. If we know who God is, we know he's in charge, right? The more you study God, the more you study who he is, we see that he's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the one who's made us, and he's the one who gives us everything. He gives us the air to breathe, the clean water to drink. He gives us all that. We understand that he is in charge. And if we know that God's in charge, then we know that what he says is wrong is wrong. And what he says is right is right. And all your clever arguments and everything you're going to bring up to him, uh, it's not going to work. It says right here, if God has made it crooked, you're never going to make it straight. You know, Whatever God has said, he's just using a colorful way to express it. What God has said is how it is. Yeah, we live in a world that wants to argue every point, right? And say that, no, God made me this way, and I'm wrong. You know, that, that, that's wrong. We need to change our understanding. We need to change our view. We need to petition God that this is right now. Well, God says it, and it's there. We're not going to win, and we're not going to, we're not going to change God's mind. We're not going to, to twist and cleverly argue our way out of things. We need to realize how God has made it is how it works and how it is. You can't fight him. And he says that is the beginning of wisdom. Once you understand that God is in charge and what he has made and how he has decreed it is how it is, and the better you get on board with that program, the easier life's going to be. Or you're going to be bucking the system all the way, and your life is going to be difficult. Difficult, difficult, difficult. But, you know, because you can't fight him. You need to realize that. He's all-powerful. He always wins. You're not going to win. He is righteous, and he is always right. So if God has said something... Have I not said? And when the Bible says God has said, we take it into heart and we've studied God and who he is. If he has said it, he is right because he is righteous and he is always right. And it's not like, but, but what about? No, he's already said it, it is right. And if he has said it is wrong, it is wrong. If it is sin, it is sin. Get on page. Get on point. And your life will be easier. Eternity would be, be easier. He is all-knowing. He knows all things. You've not thought of something he's not thought of before. You don't have some clever angle that he's never considered. He's thought of all these things, and he has said what is good and what is right and what is decent. Wisdom. The fear of the Lord. It saves you. It saves you battles. It saves you griefs. It saves you stress in your life. It saves you this useless futility of going down a path that you realize this is going nowhere because God, if you just pursued him first, would have told you that, no, that's a dead end. Don't even go that way. It's not right. It's not good. It's not decent. It's not anything you should be doing. Matter of fact, it'll save you from deadly lifestyles. It'll save your family heartache. It'll save you grief. You just get on board. And God puts safeguards in the place for that. He's made laws. He's given us law holders who are out there making sure to, to help bring us on board with this. And if we keep shaking our fist at it, it's going to end in destruction. And yet people do. So we need to learn his laws. We need to learn his statutes, learn his judgments, and live life. He says it's going to be a better life. We just saw that in verse 12. It's going to be a life unto you, a life that is abundant, a life that is good. And then he adds one more thing. Verse 14. 
He says, and in the day of prosperity, be joyful, but in the day of adversity, consider. God also has set the one over against the, uh, another, or over against the other, and that the end of man should find nothing after him. Uh, again, I think it's realized that God's in charge. Some think that this is uh, Solomon being fatalistic again, kind of like it doesn't matter. You know, what's going to happen is going to happen. And I don't think that at all. He's been that way in this book so far, but here he is talking about wisdom. He is telling us to pursue wisdom. It's as good as, you know, or better than an inheritance. It's going to give your, make your life better. It's going to help save you some grief and save you some battles. And so I, th- I think he is telling us here to see wisdom. And I see this as an instruction in wisdom. And when God gives you good days, here's the wise thing to do. Rejoice in it. This is a good day. That was a good time. This is a good place to be. We're in a good season in our life. Enjoy those seasons. Enjoy that time. Embrace it. Take it all in. He's told us just last week, we talked about, you know, oh, the former days were all the better. He's like, no, live in the now. We can't live in the better. We gloss over things. And if you have a good day today, live in that good day today. Appreciate that good day today. Don't wish away. Like I said, I think of my wife's um, instructing the kids. You know, don't wish away where you are. Don't, you know, when you're 12, say, I wish I could drive, I wish I could drive. You don't wish away four years, you know, it'll be there. Enjoy being 12, you know, enjoy being, because when it comes, then you have all those responsibilities with it. So enjoy where we are now and enjoy the good season. And if there's no big tragedy going on in your life now, enjoy and enjoy that. It says, be joyful in it and prosperity and be joyful. He says, make sure you enjoy those joyful times. Because we all have lived long enough to know that they're not all joyful times, are they? Because there's going to be adversity that comes. And that's what he says, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in a day of adversity, consider, ah, we're pursuing wisdom. He's wanting us to pursue wisdom. He's instructing us to pursue wisdom. So I think this verse, he is telling us about wisdom and how wisdom comes and how wisdom gets enacted and embedded in our life. You know, they say if you really want to know something, you know, teach it to somebody. You know, or have an experience doing it. There's one thing if I watch, uh, I remember when I was in trade school, you know, it's like I was learning to be a printer. Uh, the teacher would stand up and instruct, and I'd like, oh, I think I have it. And then you go over and do it, and you're like, this is, I, I forget everything. You know, I don't remember how, you know, then you actually do it. You know, and then once you've actually done it, and then I, I've trained, I don't know how many people to run a press, you know. And after about the time that you have a process in which you train them, a lot of times I still train somebody in my head through my daily day. I usually, I tell you, like, I'm like, oh, you're at work with me today, because I really need to fight through. And so I was showing her what I was doing to help me get through, you know, th- those things and make sure I'm not leaving a step out in that way. You know, so it really embeds that you have it. And so I think this verse is that, you know, it's that taking it and implying it to your life. Because he says, when adversity comes, you need to stop and think. You need to learn. You need to be wise. You need to understand that there's probably a lesson in this. There's some instruction going on. Or I need to apply wisdom here. Like, wait a minute, I need to apply wisdom. What would wisdom have me do? We need to apply that to it. Because God is the great author. I love thinking of him in that way, that he's the great author. It says here, he's pitting one against the other. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider it. God has also set the one over against the other. He's kind of like, I've given you prosperity. Now let's give you a little adversity. Let's see how that prosperity. They say we usually you know, pass the test of adversity. It's the test of prosperity where we usually lose it all. Like, oh, I've got money now. I forget. Ray Comfort tells a story, and it always impacts me. He said that he didn't have... 
television. They didn't have television for their children until they got older. He said, and every day when he would come home, it was the joy of their day. Dad's home. You know, they'd run to meet him. Dad's home. You know, it's not just me and mom anymore. Dad's home. You know, we finally get to have some fun. Yeah, yeah. He thought, man, the kids have been so good and they've gotten older and it seems like they've really applied the things of life to them that, that, that they've got. I'm going to buy them a television. So he went and bought them a television. He said they restricted what programs were, whatever. He says, he goes, but go out of the television. And the very next day he came home. Guess who met him at the door? The dog. Uh, the kids were watching TV. He's like, wait a minute, don't you esteem the, 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 pro, the present that I got you over the giver? You know, I'll take that away. You know, and so we need to remember, we need to esteem the, the, the giver. You know, we need to remember to keep him in the days of prosperity and the good that we have. We need to keep remembering that God given it to us. And that we need to be joyful and we need to be praising him and not be so consumed with what we have. But God is pitting one against another probably to teach us. Maybe to solidify something that you read and you said that you got and, and part of wisdom that you've been considering maybe that week in Scripture. And now he's put a little something in your life to say, now here you go. You know, we do that when we're teaching somebody. It's kind of like, here I help you with a job. Now it's your turn. You know, see if you can do it. And then we point out all the things that they did wrong to try to teach them and instruct them in that way. It's kind of God's field test. Here. How'd you do? You know, solidify it. You know, so... Um, he's probably solidifying in your life something that he's taught you, and now you're applying it. It's a test to apply what you've learned, to see that now when adversity comes, and then the prosperity, we're like, Lord, I love you. Lord, I bless you. Lord, I praise you. Now adversity comes, he says, do you trust me? Do you trust me, or do you shake your fist at me? Do you run from me? I think he allows for that a little bit, but he has a course correction. That's what he's saying here. How long is it before we finally realize, Lord, what are you teaching me through this? How are you instructing me? Lord, let me praise you through this hard time. Show me what I can praise you for. Show me what I can trust you in. Show me your strength in this. Show me your strength in my weakness. That's where he says he's put this here. Will we do as his word instructs? When we get to this adverse place, will we do what his word tells us? Is that the first place we go? What does God's word say? How do I react? How do I respond to this? Or do we do whatever the world says? Or we do just whatever our flesh wants to do? And, you know, and we punch them in the face. And we do whatever else. Or we, we just lash out. Or do we apply wisdom? You know, we're supposed to have self-control. We saw that earlier um, last week, I think it was. You know, are we going to follow what the world says? Or are we going to follow what he says? How long is it before we bring this adversity to him? Maybe he's wanting to test that out. How long is it before we have this problem in our life that we take the Lord and say, Lord, here's this problem. I, I can't deal with it. Will you please help me with it? You know, take all of our cares to him, right? Cast all our cares upon him because he cares for you is what he asks us to do. Will we apply that in our life? Will we take it to him in prayer? Will we let it be known? Will we share it with others? Pray with me with this. I'm facing some adversity in my life and help me out. Help me out. You know, how long is it before we think the Bible thoughts at all? You know, sometimes it's a while, you know, because we're in the heat of the moment and but he doesn't want it to be. He wants us to apply wisdom. So he says he's pitting one against another. So things happen in your life because there's a great author moving and, and, and shaking and trying to teach us and instruct us in wisdom if we've sought after it and if we have faith to do so, right? And the faith to trust him. So problems come, and he says we need to consider. That means you need to think why. Did I make a, did I make a bad choice? Did I not apply wisdom when I did this? Did I not think of this through enough? Did I react too quickly? Maybe. Or what do I apply to it now? Lord, I'm in this. What, what do I apply? What wisdom do I apply to this adversity that I have now? What, what do I do? Or do I just sit and trust you and, and pray through this and keep doing what I know is right and just hope that on the other side that there is another side and that you get me through this? Maybe that's it. What does God's words, what does God's words say I should do? 
Does he address this at all? Where is this in Scripture when this problem comes? What does the Bible say? Did David face this? You know, maybe it's an example in the Old Testament. Did Paul face this? Maybe there's something he's got there. Did Jesus address it directly? Is there something where he says what we're supposed to do? Pray for our enemies. You know, pray for those who persecute us. And that, maybe there's something where it comes in. What am I to learn? Lord, is there instruction here for me? Lord, is there something you're teaching me in my life? Help me to learn this lesson and get past it. And Lord, help me to trust you in it. Help me not to blaspheme you. Help me to be like Job. We have a whole book there, right? Adversity coming in. Lord, help me to be like that. So God is this great author, and he's put this before us, and he says here he's going to flesh it out, and he's going to give us wisdom, and he says then expect it to be tested in your life. I like thinking of our life as a story. And stories have structure to them. Uh, generally like three, three points, I think it is, pot points. There's the setting. You know, it's usually like, you know, oh, and they were in a cozy house in a cozy village in a cozy town, and they, and they go, you kind of get the setting of the year and the time of the place. Ours is earth now. <laughs> that's the setting of your story and then with every story every book you read there's a complication that arises you know if it's Harry the dirty dog he gets away and you got to go find him and you got to bring him back you know that's one of the, the classics that we like to read the kid. you know and so but you know there's a complication arises there's some obstacle that the main character has to face there's a crisis that comes into their life and it's going to build up into a climax until that that thing is defeated and you've gotten past it in that way and, and, and you move on and then there's that resolution at the end, and all the loose ends are tied up, and then there's the happily ever after. You know, that's, that's the, the whole lot there kind of played out. And so we are to expect these complications. Daniel calls them exploits. There's going to be, you know, that God's people will do exploits. You know, he's expecting us to rise to the occasion and, and do it, do it cor- correctly. Uh, I think of just the basic story. I was like, man, that's a basic story, plot line for life. Probably be the Titanic, right? We're all on a boat that's going to end the same way. We're all going to die. You know, when you're watching Titanic, it's not like, oh, this is going to be a happy movie. You know that it's going to crash and everyone's going to, you know, most everyone's going to die. And so you know, that's pretty much life. We're all on a ship that's sinking. We're not going to make it to the other side alive. You know, we're not all going to make it. And so um, some deny that. She is unsinkable. God himself cannot sink this ship. <laughs> I guess they found out differently, right? You know, but that's statements that they made. Um, but if you realize that it's in danger early, get on a boat and get away safely. Jesus, the lifeboat, we, we live, right? Those who make it to the lifeboat live. You know, the other ones, water's judgment. It, it kills them. And then one day you reach the other shore. Some think all that life is is just the boat. That's just the boat. There's no other shore. There's no going anywhere. There's no point. But there is another shore. But, you know, we need to. Realize that, that there is. We need to realize that we're trying to get there. We need to realize that you get on the life boat. We need to realize that it's sinking. We need to realize that we need help. When you get off, you know, you usually get off on another boat. That was Carpathia that came and rescued people then, you know, but um, that boat could be anything. That, that boat took them to safely, safety. But in our life, I got saved when I was 13. I didn't get safely delivered on the other side. Never had another adversity. Hey, I got born again at 13. Life was over. I'm directly you know, deposited into heaven. Didn't have that way. <laughs> I live a life. So I found out that I was put on a warship. Now I'm expected to go out and do the Lord's army business. You know, I'm to go out and fly sorties. I'm to be away. I'm on an armada. We go out and we have little occasions and we come back. So we have all the little stories that then spin off of that. Because 
Then one day, safely, we'll be on the other side as warriors welcomed home. And so we want to be good soldiers. We want to be good warriors that are on this warship that have been rescued out of the sinking Titanic, knowing that we're going to make it on the other side. And we want to do exploits for him where we go out and win others, where we rescue the perishing. We pull them out of the depths, even hating the garment, spotted by flesh, as Jude says, pulling them alive, you know, and, 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 or, or spotted by the fire. They're pulling, pulling them out, snatching them from the jaws of death and bringing them into life. That is a life. That is a life that has exploits like Daniel talks about. That's what he has for us. And so that is wisdom, applying wisdom and then living a life with a purpose and living a life with God's instruction uh, to help you to, to, to get through and to help you to be learning and ever learning and teaching and witnessing and reaching out. And so I, I think that this is a, a wonderful passage of insight to tell us how to pursue wisdom, that it is better than an inheritance. It is a good defense. It does give you life to realize that God's in charge. You can't change his course and then to be able to comply to God's will. And I think that that makes a good life for you. So if you've not got on the lifeboat, I'd say you need to realize you're on a seeking ship. You need to repent and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and you can be saved. And get on board the warship as we go out and we battle uh, Satan and the devil and his minions and try to rescue the perishing and bring them to the safety on the other side.